It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Live. Hey guys, it's uh, Chris and Ross here again with another episode of Super Theism. And so, do you like movies, Ross? I like movies. Some more okay, than uh, Have you seen the Guardians of the Galaxy? Ha! Yes, I have. <laughs> so you okay? So you're familiar with like you know the general premise and the characters and whatnot and yeah i'd say it's more of a b a b-lister but i've seen it yeah yeah well i saw the sequel what yesterday with my mom oh yeah and uh like i usually like going to these movies and i would do this with with my ex too when i was with her but i like going you know just to see what kind of angle they're spinning or what kind of air esoterica they're, you know, they're putting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, like, usually, like, when I go with my mom or something, like, she doesn't really notice, you know, these things. Like, I mean, she's not, like, spiritually dead or Woke. anything. Like, she's, yeah, she's, spiritu- she's spiritually attuned. You know, she's, she's a Christian. She's saved. But, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she doesn't study these things, though, like I do, like in any depth or or detail. So she usually doesn't see, you know, the more subtle things. So she'll usually enjoy, you know, movies more on a, you know, like a surface level, like most people, whereas I will not enjoy more movies than her that we see together because of this, you know, I can see this symbolism or I can see, you know, what they're really communicating. Mm -hmm. But with this movie... We got out of there, and I, so I asked her, you know, what, so what do you think? And she legit did not like, like, she did not like this movie. And I was like, oh, okay, so why? She's like, well, the plot. And then she started telling me why, and it it was because of this, just this such blatant symbolism. It was so overt that this, it was actually the reason that why she did not like it. Like, it was that overt. I was like, oh, so got it. I was like, oh, so you noticed that too? Like, I didn't even have to tell her. Like, she, she noticed all of it. I mean, it was that over, you know. It's just becoming that overt, you know. And uh, so, I mean, do you do you have like, do you care if I like spoil, you know, just the? No, I wasn't planning to see it. Okay. Okay. Well, so the general premise of the movie. So you're you're familiar with the characters and everything. Okay. So. You know, the Quill, or the main character, you know, the Quill guy. Yeah. So, he basically figures out who his dad is in this movie, or he finds out who his dad is. And, uh, his dad is this being called Ego. That's his name. <clears throat> and, like, he he goes with him to this planet. So, 
so ego like takes him to his his planet you know mm-hmm. and it's like it's like a paradise like it literally <clears throat> i mean it straight up like looks like eden like you'd think it was eden if if they didn't you know say oh it's a planet in this movie you know like the imagery is like straight up edenic like paradisical right and uh <laughs> he even lives in like this temple like you know in this edenic paradisical realm okay it's like straight up like a like a glorified exalted temple thing and then he tells him when he when he gets there he's like he actually tells him he says i'm a celestial and <laughs> and he even spells it out he's like i'm a god okay <laughs> and so uh so you know peter his son, the main character, he, so he's half God, half man. Okay. And and his his other name is Star-Lord. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so blatant what they're trying to, what they're communicating, you know? Mm-hmm. So this, you know, this ego guy, he, he took on a, a human form, like a temporal, he assumed this temporal human form, you know, just to, so he can interact with people and, you know, but he's really like this light being who's like everywhere, but he can assume like whatever temporal form he wants. I mean, how blatant can you get? Yeah. And, uh, he, he like, he like goes around the whole universe, quote unquote, like seeding himself, like his, his own life on all these different worlds, so it's basically, like, communicated... I mean, it's basically communicated, like, emanation. Like, his whole planet was an emanation of him, like, his light. Like, everything's an emanation of his light, okay? That's, like, uncreated. (laughs) And so he went to Earth, you know, and, and met Peter's mom, who he called... I forget her name. I think her name might have been Martha. I, I don't remember. But I forget her name. But uh, he called her his his water lily. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, they're connecting it with the, the fleur-de-lis, you know, which is a extremely popular occult symbol for the female genitalia. You know, I mean, obviously it's connected with basically all the female goddesses, uh, you know, one of the primary feminine occult symbols, you know, the lily, the stylized, or the Florida lease, the stylized lily, you know, also represents the female reproductive organ. Um, but I find that interesting because I believe that uh, Mary, who was the mother of, of, you know, Christ, was actually a reincarnation of uh, the same historical person that was Lilith. Who's the lower form of this Persephone, Pandora, quote-unquote, gray goddess figure? Um, she has both light and dark incarnations throughout history. But, so I thought that was interesting. You know, Lily, because obviously Lily is connected with Lilith. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's connected with the name. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so basically how they spin it in this movie is that 
I mean, they 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 spin it with the whole demiurge angle. You know, like they make it so like he he, he left his his mom. He like abandoned her, and he actually killed her. And like he goes throughout the universe, and all these all these life forms that he seeded, like he 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 kills. Like they're communicating, oh, he's this. He kills his own children and all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> so you know, they made him out to be the bad guy in this movie, and they actually, in the you know, in the end, they actually had to kill him. Like Star Lord actually had to fight and kill him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just. That's some serious Freudian slip. <laughs> the whole movie is just a basic, basically another "f you, dad" kind of fantasy. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, they're they're promoting that God is this capricious, you know, malicious demiurge, you know, authoritarian patriarch. He's oppressive, you know, you know. He's a mean old demiurge, you know, and he, he eats his own children, you know. He 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 destroys his own creation. They push this all the time, dude. I, there's what they're referring to is in the movie is catastrophism. These cataclysms that have happened in the past. That's what they're referring to with that. Like the flood. Yeah. They like to spin that like, oh God's the bad guy. See that? They always do that. <laughs> That's why you see Saturn in mythology, you know, he he's the god who eats his own children. Yet he was the high god in in Greek mythology, you know. Oh yeah, he's it's, uh, a, it's, it's Cronus, the same right? Yeah, it's the same thing. He's the god who eats his own. That's they're they're spinning the same thing there. That's supposed to be the father, okay? <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, you even see it in the name. They they name they call him Ego. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> you see that? Isn't that cute? Mm-hmm. They call him Ego. That's what they think of him. You know, that's what the, the Illuminati thinks of the father. Yeah. <laughs> they're just pissed. They're pissed off because they know, they know that predestination is true, and they know. They know that they're a cursed bloodline, and they know where they've been predestined to go to. Okay, they know that they've been predestined to be who they're who they're supposed to be. They know they're just filling out roles that they've been appointed to, and predestined to fill out. I mean, they're they're smarter than us. They they don't believe in free will. They know the truth, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, if you if you discovered that you were predestined to hell. And that, you know, you had to fill out this, you had to basically be the, the ultimate scapegoat in, in creation and, and play the ultimate bad guy, you know, and that you had no choice in the matter. How how would you react to that? You'd probably be pretty pissed off, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, and that's why, that's why they do this. I mean, it's all they can do, really, is just, you know fill out the roles and be be pissed out be, be pissed off about it <clears throat> but uh 
Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was interesting. They they had the whole, you know, binitarianism, co-rulership kind of symbolism going. Again, you know, you have the father and the, the son. They're both, they both have the same light or spirit within them. Both divine in a sense. Um, and that's actually what, that's actually what the, the, ego wanted Star-Lord to do was like rule with him, rule the the universe with him, like a co-rulership, you know. <clears throat> That's what they were communicating with that. I mean, that is the truth. They do that in a lot of movies, too. <clears throat> um, and they also communicate this demiurge thing, you know, that this that comes from Sethian Gnosticism. It wasn't in the it wasn't in the supposedly older Valentinianism. They didn't have this negative view of the demiurge that, that supposedly came later with uh first with uh Sethianism or Sethite Gnosticism. Where they had a Yaldabaoth, you know? Yeah. Who was supposed to be uh, basically Yahweh and he was he was he was evil, I mean no doubt, in that system the evil demiurge. Um, it's funny, because, I mean, pretty much everything else in the, the Sethian system, like their whole cosmogony and how everything emanated and the whole structure, and, I mean, that's all pretty much the same as in Valentinianism. It's really the major departure is their view of the demiurge. Um, I mean, they had some different views, too, but that was... a uh, that was definitely a significant difference. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you see this in a lot of other movies, like The Truman Show. That's a real popular one. That actually used to be my favorite movie until I realized what it was really about. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I liked it because it was just, it's a really good movie for Revelation of the Method on, like, how the world really works. But then again, it also spins it, you know, it spins it the same way where you have the ultimate conspirator, you know, God, who's the evil, the evil demiurge who, you know, trapped Truman in this enclosed world and scripted his life and, oh, he's this mean, oppressive, indifferent, you know, authoritarian figure. We we need to we need to liberate we need to liberate ourselves from him, you know. Yeah. And yeah. His name is even Kristoff. Yeah, yeah. And then the Matrix, you know, with the architect, they show him again. That's clearly supposed to be God, the Father. And they show him again as this indifferent, callous, capricious, uh, very impersonal. Um, like he just kind of winded everything up and just kind of lets it go its own way and he doesn't really care and is, you know same sort of demiurge thing what's interesting though about the Matrix is I think they also uh, communicate the mother in the in those films with the Oracle I think that's what they're communicating with that. that uh, 
with the word matrix? No, that they 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 reveal that there is a mother, a feminine side of God with the oracle. Oh yeah, yeah. There's the ar- there's the architect and the oracle, you know. And even at the end of the series, it kind of portrays them both as like almost like a a co-ruling pair, or almost like they're two aspects of the same ultimate being or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, another movie where this they, you know, have this same sort of theme is uh, Doctor Strange. Actually, a lot of the Marvel, a lot of the Marvel movies, they, I mean, they pretty much have this same basic theme. Uh, Doctor Strange, you seen that? You've seen that, haven't you? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, well, oh, the villain... You mean the new one? With uh, Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay, yeah, so you're familiar with the villain, right? That that Dormammu guy? Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think that was supposed to be? Just based on their description of him in the movie. The one who lives in eternity? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's so obvious. I mean, it's not obvious, but it's it's obvious to us, you know. Mm-hmm. There's some movies it's more subtle. I mean, it's not near as overt like as it was in Guardians, but that one's a little bit more subtle because they really make him seem evil. But, I mean, that's the thing with these movies. I think they have an outer rind and an inner rind of meaning. You know, and, like, I think the outer, the exoteric, in a lot of these movies, it has, like, Christian imagery where... The, the bad guy basically has some association with, like, the devil, and the good guys have some association. You know, there's there's a very surface-level association where a Christian could... that a Christian can pull from and be like, oh, this movie's, like, communicating Christian, you know, themes, you know, and stuff, with the good guys being the good guys in the Christian scheme and the bad guys being the bad guys, you know? Yeah. But I think the inner rind is... It's it's really it's really inverted. The bad guys are actually the good guys, and the good guys are actually the bad guys. That's the true inner rind, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Doctor Strange, yeah. I mean, Dormammu is obviously that's God. That's the Father there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he lives. They even say he lives outside of you know time and space. You know, in this eternal dimension, and his followers pull power from him, you know, and they they become immortal. I mean, or that's their ultimate goal, is immortality, you know, to free themselves from death. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's the basic, that's, that's the biblical God there, they're describing. I mean, he's a bad guy in that movie. Hmm. Another one, uh, X-Men Apocalypse, yeah, that's another Marvel movie. That one's pretty overt. Apocalypse. Have you seen that? Uh, that's the one with the bad guy having the blue-colored skin. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and Blue actually has a long tradition of being associated with heaven, some symbolic color color of heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, always, so, right? associated with the firmament. Yeah, yeah, but uh. Yeah, I mean, that was really obvious in that movie who Apocalypse was supposed to be. I mean, he has, he straight up says, I have four horsemen. He had four horsemen. (laughs) 
He actually says in the movie that I've been called Yahweh in the past. That was one of my names. I mean, I did, oh, I didn't the association is clear, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Who he's supposed to be, yeah. And he said, you know, he came back to... His goal in the movie was to purge the earth of idolatry. He came back to purge the earth of idolatry and all the, the wicked, you know, and establish his reign on earth. And even in the end, they had... his the end... He had a giant pyramid come down from the sky and land on Earth, and that was basically going to be, you know, like his his temple, you know, where he would reign from. I mean, that's like straight up the New Jerusalem coming down in Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's just, it's like sick. Once you actually see all these things, you know. I mean, how can this be accidental, too, when you have this consistent pattern in all these movies? Like, if... if if these move, if you just left this up to random chance, you should not have a consistent theme in these redundant mathematical patterns. You know, it's statistically impossible. It obviously means it's coordinated. It's intentional. It's deliberate. You know. Yeah. Which is what we should expect and, and see. Which is in accordance with, you know, the re- revealed axioms in the Bible that we can deduce from of who's in control. You know, the B system. We should expect See, when to I, do, when I do saw like Exodus Apocalypse. Yeah, I uh, I was still believing in the, uh, the the Nephilim serpent seed doctrine. So I was thinking when he said that all the the mutants were his children, his descendants. I was thinking they were glorifying the Nephilim. Right. So I didn't See, I didn't that, catch yeah. any of this. That's what I mean. I, I, See, they, that was like See, the tier have... one propaganda. Exactly. Right? See, they have this. They they have this surface outer meaning that the Christian's supposed to grasp, you know, and be like, oh, this is, this is, this lines up with the Christian scheme on the surface face of things, you know, but no, they twist and invert all of it, you know, the light is the dark and the dark is the light, you know, that's the inner, inner eye, they make it more subtle, you know. Yeah, and the mutant. Yeah, and he was the first mutant, and the mutants were all his children. Yeah, so I mean, it's so obvious what they're trying to communicate with that. Um, to me, that that would communicate like the Adamic race. You know, I mean, they were, you know, they were the ones who from heaven to earth came. You know, the the special bloodline, special seed. Um, uh, another movie. This one's real subtle. I, I didn't even realize this one until pretty recently, but I mean, it, it has the exact same theme. Again, once again, lines up perfectly. Star Wars. And now I can't even I can't even enjoy that anymore because it's like even the old ones because it's communicating the exact same thing. You got Darth Vader and the Emperor. You got the Binatarian thing. You got the Lord and the the overlord above him. They both dwell in the heavens. You know, they dwell... (laughs) They're up in the heavens amongst the stars, the host of heaven, you know, looking down on everything, like, you know, with their their quote-unquote dictatorship, their authoritarian dictatorship, just ruling everything from the heavens. (laughs) I mean, it's just... 
you know, the emperor is on his throne. He's like, he's like the all-seeing eye, you know, the all-seeing one who's watching everything. And then he's got his, he's got the Lord Vader, you know, who stands before the throne, who he like sends out and actually does stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, just the, it's the same, same, same thing there. And their whole thing there again, you know, they're they're spinning it so they're they're communicating to you that uh, theocracy is bad, you know, authoritarian government is bad, uh, totalitarianism is bad, state is, statism is bad. All these things the Bible endorses and communicates. We need to liberate ourselves from all those things, all the all these oppressive authority figures and patriarchs and we we need libertarianism where everybody can just do whatever they want and all religions can just coexist and you know every anybody can believe what they want just do what they want see that yeah we need to liberate ourselves from the empire you know their control another movie yeah another another film series this is pretty subtle too and this is one of those film series again where they have, you know, this supposedly tell you it's supposedly Christian author. You know, he he wrote these Christian themes. He's trying to communicate the biblical story. You know, these Christian themes and these stories. You know, they got they got the the surface level there for the Christians. You know, to get behind and support this this guy and this this story and these films as being you know supposedly Christian or the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Get the exact same thing there. You got the all-seeing eye, Sauron, you know, on top of the tower. You know, he's, like, watching everything. <laughs> he's literally, like, om- omni- omnipresent or omniscient. He- he's all-seeing. He's the all-seeing eye. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that, that re- like, represents God's spirit. You know, it-, it can see everything. It's everywhere. You know? And then he can also manifest in a form, like a temporal form. Which is in the in the form of Sauron, you know. He actually can manifest as, a, as in this humanoid form. Obviously, that's that's communicated in the Bible. The Father can do that. He does do that. He's both a spirit that's everywhere and sees everything, but he can also assume this form, humanoid form, you know. <clears throat> and then you have uh, you have Saruman. Again, it's like this binatarian thing. You got Saruman under him. And I think Saruman, his name, like, like even means like the man Sauron or the son of Sauron. So it's like again, you got the, <laughs> the binatarian structure there. You know, this co-rulership. I mean, they even communicated too the two towers. You know. And uh, actually, in ancient symbology, and even in the Bible, uh, towers or pillars can actually represent people or beings. And also, towers uh, typically, esoterically, uh, represent the male, the masculine being, because it's a phallic structure. Right. So, they're communicating two masculine beings to rule we need to liberate ourselves from them. They're the enemy. See that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just good stuff. It's good, wholesome stuff. Then we got The Hobbit. 
Hobbit. Now, this one I, I just thought about, but I was like, could, could they really have... Because The Hobbit is way more subtle. Because you don't have Sauron and that, you know? Who's the enemy in The Hobbit, though? Uh, in that's, the Hobbit, that's, well, Goblins and the Dragon, right? Yeah, that's Smog the Dragon, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you'd say, you know, as a Christian, you'd interpret that, oh, that's obvious symbolism, right? That's supposed to be Satan, right? The devil, he's the dragon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But as I've as I've alluded to in past calls and and uh kind of expounded a little bit is there there are passages in the Bible where God is described with language with dragon like language. Okay. And he's also associated with fire in the Bible. He comes with fire. He, he's got he, he's got fire smoke coming out of his nostrils, you know, and he breathes breathes fire. And there are passages in there like that where it's like it's he's almost like a dragon, you know. It's like dragon language, dragon imagery. Um, so I was wondering, you know, could Smog actually be God in this? Like, <laughs> I mean, he he rules from his mountain. It's the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You got the same thing in the Bible, you know. God's always associated with His mountain, you know, that He rules from. You know what I mean? And what happened towards the beginning of the that? Uh, didn't uh, the dragon come and like burn all the towns and all the people, like the whole mountainside and the villages nearby? Yeah, I mean that's why they had that song, you know, far over the misty mountains cold. Yeah, talked about how how the a cataclysm of fire was spewed out of the Oh, yeah, the there you go. There you go, yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah, there you go, yeah. They had the, yeah he, even, he even caused the cataclysm of fire, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's more evidence right there that, that, yeah, it's supposed to be God, you know, smog. I mean, and and his dialogue, and, like, even in the book, how he describes himself, he's like, oh, I'm the all-seeing, the all-powerful, you know, like, no one can vanquish me. I mean, it's it's like, like, this, I think this is supposed to be God. It's the, they're just spinning the, they're spinning it with the, the whole Demiurge thing again. Making him this arrogant, conceited, vain, you know, uh, capricious entity. Drunk on his power and authority and such. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he even you know he sits on this mountain of wealth and and he uh, he protects the Arkenstone, you know, which is like the thing that get, bestows immortality. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, there's obvious alchemical symbolism there, too. You know, you got the dragon and the... Uh... Yeah, it's multi-layered. Yeah, yeah, but I think that... Well, because the dragon's supposed to represent Mercury, but I think that Mercury also... I think God, or the Father also, his, his spirit also would represent Mercury. So I think you could have that association as well there. Um, but, yeah... It's the satanic, you know, reversals, reversalism going on. They revert. Oh, another movie. Uh, I actually saw this one with my ex, but I remember it 
vividly, even though it wasn't a very good movie, but I remember it just because of how just just pregnant with with symbolism it was. It's uh, Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? Yeah, with, uh, what's her name? Mila Kunis? Yeah. Yeah, that one's real. <laughs> yeah, they, they really, they spin the Demiurge thing in that one, too, real real good. Like, the ultimate bad guy in that is, like, this this bureaucratic, I mean, he's basically like a god, but he rules, you know, in in in, in space, in heaven, mm-hmm. on this giant ship, and he's, he's like, he's the total Demiurge guy. And he even has, like, dragons, like, legit dragons, like, guarding his throne. I mean, that, that's that. Those are supposed to be seraphs. That's seraphim there. <laughs> yeah, fiery serpents. Yeah, yeah, and he and I think he even had a line or something too, where he says like, "I, I kill and I make alive, or I destroy. I, I give life and I take it away." He's like legit quoting the Bible, like something God said in the Bible. You know, they're they're pulling the whole. Oh yeah, and he was also gonna like destroy everyone on Earth. Like he, you know, he causes these catastrophes. You know, they're the catastrophism again. These cataclysms, but they're spinning it like he's the bad guy for doing that. You know, this is the typical, yeah. typical, typical stuff again. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to say on that. But oh yeah, they're well they're also spinning this on on YouTube as well in a lot of the tier two sort of propaganda they got going on YouTube. Especially with the flat in the flat earth movement. I think they co opted a lot of that and they're they're spinning it with this this angle. You know, that uh people are finding out that the earth is flat, but they've already co opted it and spun it. I mean, there's a lot of people on YouTube that are either communicating this, I think consciously or unconsciously, and both, or I think all of the above. But they're saying, you know, that the God is actually this demiurge, and he uh, he trapped us in here. This is a prison because so, people are finding all oh, this is an enclosed cosmology. Oh, it's yeah, the demiurge trapped us here. It's a prison. We have to liberate ourselves of the demiurge. We got to get out of here. This is a prison, you know? Mm. <laughs> and then they've also set it up real good, too, because they got Eric Dubay, who's one of the, basically the pioneer of the Flat Earth movement. You know, he's he's the flagship, you know, guy attached with this movement. The obvious agent, you know, but... I mean, we can, we can kind of tell where they're going with this by what he's putting out, you know, the, what he's communicating. Well, another one of his big things that he likes to talk about is the Jews and how the Jews are behind everything. Oh, yeah. So, again, they're spinning that angle. So, see, he makes no distinction between real Jews and false Jews. He doesn't even define what the word Jew means. He just uses Jews univocally to refer to anybody, basically, who associates with the Hebrew religion, with the Bible. You know, that's a Jew. So it's giving the people this impression that, oh, well, so the people of this book, the Bible, are actually the bad guys that are in control of everything and are causing all the problems of the world. 
so by implication, which so in which they can draw by inference from all these other people that are t- telling them this. Oh, so the God of the Jews is this demiurge, this evil demiurge too, who put all these Jews in power and set up all their institutions over us. You know, the Vatican, the bank, the central banks, and all this stuff that the Jews occupy. Mm-hmm. And so he's the ultimate bad guy that we need to liberate ourselves from. See that? Yeah. Perfect. Perfect setup there. <laughs> Perfect way to co-op the movement. Perfect. So, I mean, if they ever do public go public with the Flyers movement, which I think they'll eventually have to do, that's the angle they're going to spin it. They're going to spin it, you know, they're, they've already, they're already going in that direction with it. See that? Yeah. It's perfect. But yeah, I can name a few guys right here, just on YouTube, that are pretty popular. Uh, Star Gods, uh, Devin Maggi. He pushes that big time. That uh, the Earth is flat, it's enclosed. Uh, the Demir, evil Demir, trapped us here. Uh, we need to escape. We need to liberate liberate ourselves. Quasi-Luminous, he's another guy I used to watch a lot. He pushes the same thing. Same thing. So. Another thing I think they're setting up is, is uh, and this is in the alt-right movement too, which, you know, as a political party, you know, as as in white nationalism, I certainly identify with more than you know, the AIDS-infested left and the uh, constantly compromising Republican so-called conservatives who don't conservative anything, but the alt-right has also got this heavy anti-Jew thing, which, you know... Oh, yeah. You know, the people who call themselves Jews, you know, like the Rothschilds and and everyone who's pushing degeneracy, you know, from porn industry uh, kingpins and... And, you know, Hollywood supposed Jews, you know, they want us to reject the idea of Jews so that when we find out that, you know, many of, you know, like the Anglo-Israelite hypothesis, many of the uh, European and white peoples are descendants of the lost tribes of Israel. Yep. So that they'll turn against us when they figure that out. Yep. Or that we'll reject identifying with it ourselves, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's how you can clearly tell that this is propaganda, you know, that they're, cause, I mean, they're promoting this in all these different movements. It's cohesive, you know. How can you mm-hmm. have the same thread, the same underlying thing in all these different movements promoted from the top? I mean, it's obviously being promoted from the top down, you know, because all yeah. the agents in these movements are saying the same stuff. They're the ones leading the movements that are that are saying this stuff, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I totally agree with you on that. They've definitely, that's definitely where they're, well, they've already co-opted the alt-right with that. I think they're the ones who let it start. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Well, I mean, I think think it had some, 
or there was some organic. Uh, right. I mean, obviously, I'm not one of those guys that thinks the Illuminati just creates these dialectics and stuff out of nothing. You know, I, I don't think that they could rally people behind them in, in such large multitudes like they do. If, if I think that the, a lot of these tensions and hostilities are real and organic and they just play off of them. You know, yeah, and they exactly. use them. Yeah. Inflame them. Yeah. Yeah, because we can deduce from the Bible that the races were never supposed to live with each other. They don't get along. They have natural hostilities to each other, you know. This yeah. is organic. They're they're not oil, supposed to oil and water. Yeah, they're not supposed to coexist. They can't. They're not supposed to commingle. So that's why you're getting this huge. I think that's why you haven't uh, had a natural reaction, which would naturally align with you know the alt right movement because of all this extreme immigration and integration that's been happening, you know, the past, I mean, it's just gotten ridiculous now, you know, like over in Europe and oh, basically all the Western nations. So you would expect there to be a, a rise in uh, some kind of alternative uh, white supremacist movement, you know, and that would just be the natural reaction. I can understand why. They're just trying to preserve themselves, you know? It's like against this horde and onslaught. Yeah, I mean, that's where I I still lean towards it. I just don't trust where they're going to take it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, my theory is still the same. I think they're going to... I mean, I even heard this on a, a podcast today, a Hoaxbusters call. Some some guest was on there. He was saying that he thinks that they're gonna crash the economy with uh, with Trump, and that's the reason they put Trump in there, and why he was so flamboyant with all this these conservative ideals and like kind of like nationalistic sentiments and you know white white supremacist sentiments because they're gonna they're basically going to collapse everything and, and pin it on him, blame it on him. He's going to be the fall guy. And so basically, you know, guilt by association, everybody who identifies with him or anything he believed or professed, any of those movements, any conservatism or nationalism or non-inclusiveness or anything like that is just going to, it's all going to go down the tubes in flames with him. Like, you know, are going to crash all that. Got any comments on that or... Still there? Hello? Ross, he's still there. Hello? All right, looks like Ross dropped or got cut. Hold on.
like I got to go unmute him. He got muted somehow. Let me see. Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties. Are you good? Hey, now? Chris. Yeah. Hey. Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, uh, sorry on I, my I, end, I, you. I I stepped away, so I. That's oh, okay. Yeah. I uh, got right. I actually hung up, and then I got back on right as you were saying. You got any comments on that, Ross? So yeah. I missed. A few sentences there. Oh, I was just saying that uh, I still think that I, I heard, I even heard a podcast today. I was listening to one today, a Hoaxbusters call, where they had a guest on that was saying how he thinks that they're going to crash the economy with uh, Trump in there. And he, he was saying that that's why they put Trump in there. Because, uh, and why he was so o- o- overly flamboyant with all these professed conservative ideals and nationalistic ideals and like white supremacist white white nationalist sentiments and because they're going to collapse make a mockery of it all yeah they're going to crash everything under him and pin it on him he's going to be the fall guy or the scapegoat so you know by guilt guilt by guilt by association by implication, everyone who's associated with those ideals or aligned with those ideals or anything that he professed is going to be go down with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I still, I definitely foresee that. You know, I think I think that's going to happen. So, I mean, that's the that's the perfect setup, you know. Mm-hmm. Learn to garden, get in shape, learn survival skills, fight skills. Mm-hmm. Learn to hunt. Oh, yeah. That's something I don't know how to do, and I wish I did. <laughs> I know how to fish, but I don't know how to hunt. I guess that's better than nothing. Yeah. I don't remember you can I mean uh, remember you can eat uh grasshoppers and crickets are among true. the true that's true bug yeah. list. Yeah. Yep. Also remember you can always just eat dirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too long. Yeah, yeah. It'll uh that'll steal some nutrients away from you. You know how absorbent that is? Sure, sure. So Learn the native plants of your area. The edible yeah. ones. Okay, let's see. So, another thing I wanted to kind of talk about is I also listened to, or I watched the uh, Globuster show today. That's a show I watch every Sunday. It's very good. I would highly recommend it. I consider it the best flat earth research or alternative cosmology research platform on YouTube personally. I think that Bob or Xanadude 60, the host, is an extremely talented, you know, very, very intellectual individual. Like he's he's like a force to be reckoned with, um, with that that kind of stuff. 
He actually has the credentials to back it up too. Cause he was an engineer and a he was all, he's also been a pilot for a number of years and also a uh, I believe a ham radio operator as well. So he kind of knows how radio waves work and um, how all that can work uh, uh, independently of a, any kind of globe model. But uh. So I was listening to that show today, and they were talking about this idea of uh, Rahu and Ketu from Vedic mythology, quote-unquote mythology. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with those, right? Like the... Uh, the anti-sun and the anti-moon? Yeah. The dark, dark parallel bodies to the sun and moon. Yeah. Counterparts. But he was talking about how and I've seen these too. There's actually videos on YouTube where people have actually filmed these dark bodies. They've mm-hmm. they've actually been seen in the sky, like high altitude uh, drone or balloon footage. And there's also this one video. This guy was on a plane and he was filming the solar eclipse on a you know from a plane. And like there were like dark bodies like around the eclipse. Like there were. And, you know, people will try to say, oh, they're just, they're either uh, some kind of sun dog, you know, type thing, or there's something on the in the, on the plane window or something, they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. But he was, like, moving the camera around and stuff, and when the plane was moving and stuff, and and the, uh, the bodies would move independently of the things on the window, you know what I mean? Or... They would they would move in reference to the sun, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which would prove that you know these are these are actual objects out there by the sun, like in proximity to the sun. And uh, also, when he was moving the camera around and stuff, you know they weren't moving in reference with the with the camera, which would dispel any notion that it's just some camera artifact or you know like sun like light thing going on. Uh, there's other videos too where people have sent up high altitude drones or balloons and they film these dark objects that are like by the sun or and the moon. I think it's pretty interesting. But they uh again they, they move in reference with the sun and moon and independent of the camera. You know, so it's uh they're not any, any kind of camera artifact or light, uh, you know, any kind of sort of halo or sun dog or anything like that. They're actual dark bodies, you know. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. I think I've seen one or two clips of them. I know uh-huh. I've got them up. Yeah. Okay, so here's another thing. So, like I said, like I've said in this podcast before, so I, I listen to popular talk shoe call Hoaxbusters with Chris Kendall, and he recently, I think yesterday, he put out a call, his most recent call, where he had Jaronism on, and he kind of had this little debate, informal debate with Jaronism about the flat Earth. And it was just, I, and again, it's another one of these, these things where I used to have 
huge respect for Chris Kendall, and I thought he was this intellectual and all these things, and it's just his arguments and his reasons his reasons for believing in a globe and dismissing the flat earth in this call were just like so weak and just frankly just like disgusting um again it's another one of those things how can he profess to believe the bible and believe the earth is a globe it's just completely inconsistent there um but he made a lot of fallacies in that call that uh, he accu- that he accuses the flat earthers of making, but he's making the same sort of fallacies. Like he'll say, um, "Oh, what does he say?" I'm drawing a blank. Well, I know he uh, he makes the false dichotomy fallacy a lot. You know, like, either it's this or it's that. Uh-huh. So, oh, okay. So he criticizes, like, the common, the commonly accepted flat Earth map, you know, like the azimuthal equidistant map. Right. So he'll say, oh, well, since there's problems with this map and, you know, it's I can't seem to make it work, therefore the Earth is a globe. I mean, that's, again, that's the false dichotomy fallacy. Um, also, you know, it's, he'll make the Nirvana fallacy, like, uh, you know, the flat Earth map or the flat Earth model is imperfect. You know, it doesn't explain or it can't account for all, all of my issues with it. Therefore, the Earth is a globe. It's not necessitated. Argument from silence. They'll say, oh, well, since... Flat Earthers can't answer all my problems or aren't giving evidence for all my problems. Therefore, the Earth is a globe. Uh, appeal to ignorance. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen this particular aspect of the flat Earth proven true. Therefore, it's false. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, prag- appeal to incredulity. He does this a lot too. You know, I can't. I can't pers- I personally can't imagine how this would work on a flat earth model or on a flat earth map. Therefore flat earth is false. You know, and the earth is a globe. A pragmatic fallacy, appeal to function. Again, um this doesn't seem to work or function on a flat earth or this this does function or works on a globe, therefore the earth is a globe. Function does not determine truth. That doesn't necessitate it. There's a lot of things that work. That doesn't mean they're the right way or the true way or any kind of... uh, It doesn't establish any kind of prescription. Um, Naturalistic fallacy. That's the is-ought fallacy. when, When you simply describing something that is can't establish that it ought to be that way. So he'll he'll describe, you know, like uh for instance, he'll he'll appeal to lie, he'll say that, you know, if you have a liquid out in nature like water, it'll it'll naturally congeal or congeal into the form of a sphere. So then he'll say that, oh well, that means that the earth must be a sphere. Because that, that seems to be the way that objects uh 
naturally congeal, you know, just out in nature. They congeal in this spherical shape. Um, his biggest problem with the flyer theory was basically uh, these interrelationships with all the continents, which would obviously change if the Earth was any kind of, if you had any kind of flat Earth model. And once you go south of the equator, all the distances would get farther, and he's like, well, how do these plane flights work? And that's basically his main contention. And since he can't seem to explain how that works, or he can't understand, or he doesn't think it can be explained, therefore the Earth is a globe. <laughs> it's just... And that, that wouldn't even necessitate that the Earth's a globe. Why, why couldn't the Earth be uh, an oval? Why couldn't it be a banana shape? Why why couldn't it be a octahedron? That doesn't necessitate that it has to be a globe. Yeah. I mean, he's he's making all the same fallacies that he's accusing these flat earthers of making. It's just but he the problem with him is it's even worse with him because he's supposed to believe the Bible. That should be where his epistemology comes from. That should be where he's he's drawing his metaphysic or his theory of reality out of, okay? It shouldn't be based on ev supposed evidence or supposed observations or, you know what I mean? It should be based on the Bible. You should believe what the Bible says regardless of it, if it conforms with these supposed interpretations of these observations or these evidences or not. Like, that. It shouldn't have anything to do with the evidence, the supposed evidence, or the supposed observations, you know. If your interpretations of the observations and the evidence don't align with what the Bible says, then that means your interpretations of them are wrong. That doesn't mean that the Bible is wrong, okay? That yeah. should be your epistemology, okay? So his is like some kind of evidentialism, even though he criticizes evidentialists, like atheists and stuff. But I mean, he's he's the exact same thing. He's he's using his senses as the supposed evidence that he's interpreting with his senses as the basis for determining what his reality is. That's the same thing that atheists do. It's the exact same thing. They're evidentialists, you know, they're empiricists. That's their epistemology. It's based on supposed evidence or you know, observation or sensation. He's doing the exact same thing. It's totally fallacious. So, I just found that interesting. I thought Jaronism actually did a pretty good job. I thought he actually showed, displayed more uh, critical thinking in that than Chris did, but... Um, What do you think, Ross? You got anything? Well, you're assuming they're even uh, that they're not doing it on purpose. Maybe they're an agent. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's possible. I don't. I don't think Chris personally is, but I've I've listened to him too long. He's definitely. I think he's he's definitely. I think he's a genuine guy. Okay. Yeah, but. Jaronism, 
I'd be actually be more doubtful of Arianism. <laughs> Personally, I think he's genuine, but he's, I think unconsciously, he's, uh, he, I mean, he's pushing the same things that the controlled people are pushing, so he's not really that much different, even if he is genuine. You know, he believes that, he believes the whole, he believes that the God of the Bible is actually Satan. He thinks that Satan actually wrote the Bible. <laughs> it's the exact same thing that's being promoted, you know, and pushed. Yeah. The whole Demiurge thing. He's, he's, he believes that totally. The so. mean old, the mean old sky god gave us those mean old laws. We have to yeah, oppressive, oppressive patriarch. Yeah, totalitarian dictator. Yeah. And yeah. but but sex loving pedophiles have to be killed. And that was uh, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. They they try to say that they criticize the Bible for being inhumane, even though they can't even establish an ob- any kind of objective standard of morality. So they have no basis to even make any kind of value judgment about anything or ethical judgment because they don't even they don't even have a theory of ethics. They don't even have an objective standard of morality to begin with. So they're literally defeating their own argument from the start. <laughs> but even even so, even if we entertain their argument, so they basically say that you know, the Bible's inhumane and somehow atheism and, and Atheism, I guess, is more humane. What happens when we actually investigate that? Is, is that is that the case? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look up the statistics of democide, atheism, okay, like the the combined regimes of like Stalin, Mao, Lenin, there's others, all you know, atheist, communist regimes. They killed like what? Over a hundred million people, I think, in less than a century. With most, pretty much all of which were like innocent civilians. Um, it took the Catholic Church, I think, over five hundred years to kill fifty million people. <laughs> I mean, so which yeah, one's more based humane? on the history we know? Oh, I know, and that's that's also assuming that the you know the the, the communist atheist numbers are even accurate and not, you know, I mean, it could be way more than that. <laughs> that's that's like a, could be a low estimate, you know. And that's not even, well, that's not even counting the abortion thing. I mean, that's literally the worst genocide in the history of the world, like, by far. I mean, that's like, I think that's like, I think I heard like 50 million children are killed a day. I thought I heard something like that. I mean, it's just some absurd number. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 The Bible's inhumane. <laughs> Anyone who says that just wants to have butt sex. <laughs> that's all you, you got to say. Just point out how ugly they pretty, really are. Pretty much, yeah. 
Yeah. I would not disagree. So uh, I was also thinking a little bit about, like, the sun and the moon today a little bit. Like, so what do you think about clouds behind the sun and moon, Ross? Do you think that's possible? Um, well, I mean, it's the... Ross, looks like he got dropped again. Hopefully he calls back in here. Don't know what's going on. Yep, he got dropped. Got dropped again, huh? Sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Or what's going on? What was that last question? Oh, I was just asking you if you think uh, clouds behind the sun and moon are possible. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, once I accepted the non-globe theory and uh, realized that the sun and the moon are much smaller and much much closer to the Earth. I guess it's possible, mm-hmm. but I don't remember having. I may have seen it before, but I wasn't looking for it, so I don't. I can't say that I have observed it. Well, my whole thing. I see now. I'll concede that it's possible. I accept that obviously because I'd be you know deducing from Bible. Obviously, the sun and moon are within the firmament, therefore they're in our atmosphere. And I also uh, accept the authority of ancient traditions, you know, which would follow with devolution, which can be deduced from the Bible. Obviously, there'd be more truth in these ancient traditions that would fall by necessity, and they all believe... Basically, the ancient opinion was that I mean, the sun and moon were, like, less than 100 miles high. You know, the, the common... The common, you know, the common number that you'll hear in the flyers movement is the sun's 3,000 miles high. I, I definitely don't believe that. To me, I think that's total. I mean, I think they're way closer. I'm talking less than 100 miles. Yeah. Max. Well, if you look at the uh, the sunbeam, you trace back the sunbeams when the sun's, you can see sunbeams split by the clouds. Crepuscular rays, yeah. Yeah, is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Crepuscular that kind of gets into the problems with this is I believe we can we can deduce that but that's that's kind of a general when you can start getting into these particulars I mean the Bible's silent does the Bible say that the sun is below or above the level of the clouds uh, not to my knowledge it doesn't mention no no see is when we get into these particulars it gets real real hazy see so so to explain if I look up from the ground level, and I see what I think is a cloud behind the sun or the moon, does that actually mean a cloud is behind the sun or the moon, just because I observe it from the ground? Does that follow by necessity? Nope. I mean, again, it's just, you're using, your your criteria for determining truth would be the same as that of an atheist. You're, You're relying on your observations, your senses. You know what I mean, an atheist could look up at the sun and the moon and use that as 
use his observations as evidence that they're out in outer space. Does that mean they're actually out out in outer space? You know? Yeah. And so you're used to the same logic, you know? I mean, obviously, if you're operating off a of biblical epistemology, you'd be, I mean, you could interpret it that way, and it'd be, you know, it'd conform with, you know, the axioms revealed in the Bible, but that, I mean, it doesn't spell that out explicitly in the Bible, so they they could be above the level of the clouds, you know, but that doesn't mean they're out in outer space. They're still under the firmament. They're still close. And that's my whole thing with this, is it's like, especially with that one video I sent you, that, that P-Brain video on the laws of perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically from all my research and from the research of people who have been, I mean, it's basically like their full-time job to research this, like Jaronism. They don't, they don't, and I don't really either. I don't even think that the sun or the moon, for that matter, are where we. I don't, I don't think they're where we observe they are. Like, I don't think that's actually their true location in the sky. An optical illusion, you could say. Uh, yeah, you could. Well, because for for one thing, that video that I sent you, that P-Brain, you watched that, didn't you? Yeah. On the laws of perspective and convergence? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, for, to, to explain, so when we see the sun setting, when we see it lowering to the horizon and setting, does that, act, so when it gets right above the horizon, does that actually mean it's it's getting lower in height and is right above the horizon out there? No. So if I, if I sail on a boat out there, like if it's, it's setting past... If it's setting, like, on the water, if I stay on a boat, will, will I be able to reach up and touch the sun because it lowered right to the horizon right there? Nope. You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is the sun actually, is its true location actually where our eyes are telling us it is in the sky? No, because of the law. That's This is how optics work, the laws of perspective and convergence. You know, everything angles up to your vanishing point, which is only like three miles away or so, depending on the atmosphere, atmosphere conditions, because of our limited eyesight, we can't see forever. So everything angles up and angles down to your vanishing point, which is, you know, determined by your eye level, how high you're standing or where you're standing. Um, The ground angles up and the sky angles down, you know, and meets at a, a point, you know, a convergence point. That's what creates your horizon, which is determined by your eye level. That's why it raises to your eye level, because your eye level is actually what determines it. I mean, that right there proves that it's a some kind of optical, you know what I mean? It's not actually what reality is actually doing. See that? Yeah. So... So I don't really think we can rely on observations of what we observe at, at the, on the ground, of what we're observing in the sky, and make any kind of solid conclusions from that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In terms of where things are at, tr- true position, or in terms of... Because, again, again, you also have to reconcile that sort of thing with how come when people are... are all these amateur videos of people that are 
sending up all these, you know, high-altitude drones or balloons, you know, with cameras attached. How come in all of them the sun is above the level of the clouds? I mean, it's it's you can obviously tell it's not out in outer space because you can see a hot spot on the clouds, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's always above the clouds. Why has no video? Why has no video ever captured the sun below the level of the cloud? I mean, you'd think with people sending up all these drones and balloons all the time, with cameras attached, they why don't why do they never catch the sun below the level of the clouds if it if it does get that low? You know what I mean? That doesn't yeah. make sense, does it? Why has it never been observed from an airplane? Why is there no amateur videos from an airplane of it being below the level of the clouds? Or the moon, for that matter. If the moon's a solid object, you you would you'd think that would happen by now. I mean, there's tons of amateurs on YouTube sending up cameras and and you know via drone or air, uh, balloon or whatever. This, this isn't all controlled, you know. So again, that just gets into this speculative, nebulous area where. I, I will concede, and I, I do. I, I will say it's possible because I think that the sun and moon might possibly oscillate in height. I mean, we don't really know, but I think there's a lot of observations that would contradict that. And you know, I don't think we can. I don't think we can be sure. I don't think it's something we can determine from the ground looking up. I think that's a. Uh, it's invalid. It doesn't follow. It's not necessitated. That conclusion. So I would hesitate to assert something like that with any confidence. You know. And I also another evidence that the sun is not where we. Its true position is not where we observe it is. Is uh and and Mr. Thrive and Survive? Are you familiar with him on YouTube? Uh, I've heard the name. Yeah, he's a he's one of the more popular flat Earth guys. I don't follow him anymore, but I used to watch all his videos. He released this one, I think, either like last year or a couple of years ago now. But he was investigating this the the sun problem. He released this video where it basically showed that. The sun is problematic for both flat Earth and globe models. If if what we're assuming about the sun is is uh, correct, um, if if it's in the actual position, if it's in if it's true position and true location is where we are observing it, then it's problematic for both models. Because why? Because apparently on on an equinox date or on, on the equinox, all observers on the Earth observe sunrise at exactly 90 degrees due east and sunset at two, 270 degrees due west. Every observer from any point no on the Earth. Their, no matter their longitude, right? Yeah. How far north and south they are? Exactly. You see how that'd be impossible on both models? Uh-huh. If... if our observations are actually where the sun really is. That's its true location where we observe it. 
That'd be he's impossible the guy who, on those models. The sun, hey, Chris, he's the guy who thinks the sun is outside the uh, glass firmament and is and is yeah. made to look like the same place because of refraction. Yeah, through glass. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I hey, he speculated that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really. I I I don't believe that because I think that. I mean, I think the Bible is pretty explicit that it's in the firmament, as in it's under it. Okay. By in it's it, by in it means it's you know it's it's like you could have something in an umbrella, you know. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's actually in the material of the umbrella. That means it's under it, okay. but it's in it. You know. I think that's the way the dome works. When it says it's in it, it means it's under it. And that that is consistent with the ancient. That's basically all the ancient cosmologies had the sun and the moon under, under the dome. You know, you see that in all of them. But I, I'm not sure what the sun is. Is it like a physical object, or is it some sort of uh, light? Just a light, and that's why it has these sort of elusive qualities. Like it's not. It doesn't really have a true spatial location, you know, or I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. There's so much uncertainty there, you know. Mm. Um, you have to reconcile all these observations somehow, and like, I don't really know, I don't really see a way to reconcile them. There's obviously something, well, I think what you can conclude is that our Percep- where our, perce- our perception of the sun isn't where it actually is. It's not actually its true location. I think that can be concluded from all this. I mean, you know, the laws of perspective and convergence and, um, you know, the e- all observers on the Earth observing it in the exact same place on an, on an equinox date Man, now I gotta know. I'm not gonna be able to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and, and and that's another thing that's. I mean, I just think the sky is just so anomalous. I mean, I I basically think there's pretty much nothing we can really determine about it outside of just the generalities that the Bible uh, gave us. Uh, because, well, for instance. Does it to you? Does it seem to indicate in the Bible that the stars are solid objects? Uh, not to my recollection. Just that they're alive. So when it says that the stars fell to earth and they're oh, they're shaking okay. they're shaking off yeah. like a, like a fig I forgot that. from a tree. See, perhaps so they wouldn't are that there. wouldn't that seem to in, indicate that they're solid objects that can actually fall? The earth. So, how do you reconcile that with all these flat earthers on YouTube saying that they're just lights or some sort of incor- incorporeal object? Can't be. Uh, can't be both. Yeah. Somebody's well, here. And that's the thing too, because I've investigated all these ancient mythologies, and they seem to all believe that the stars were physical objects too. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like legit physical, like almost like gems that were like encrusted or placed in in the firmament, and they could actually fall from it. 
for instance, in the Egyptian cosmology, they actually thought that they were, like, hung from the firmament, like, or legit solid objects that were hung from the firmament, like, hanging from it, you know? <laughs> so... Like a, like a chandelier? Yeah. Crystal? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's an issue I have because you d- I think you definitely see a conflict between that and what all these videos on YouTube of the stars seems to be some I'm not sure if the stars we're seeing today are even real. I'm not sure that they're even the same stars of the the ancient world or that are talked about in the Bible. You see that? Yeah. Because the stars that people are observing through these cameras, they seem to be some sort of... uh, Refraction? uh, Electromagnetic, just light phenomena, or you know what I mean? Like uh, some sort of holographic phenomenon, like just this vibrating, yeah, pulsating light thing. I mean, it looks like the sunlight at the bottom of a pool like trapped, or like a plasma ball, you know, like yeah. electricity just constantly spazzing and oscillating and vibrating in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Uh, and all these all these people on YouTube are operating off the assumption that they're looking at genuine natural phenomenon because they're not aware of this disconnect between what the Bible says and the what the ancient world believed and what they're observing. So they're interpreting all this as this is actual legit natural phenomenon and this is the real stars and this is how they really act and they're already constructing all these theories of what the, you know, mm. of what the stars are because they think that these are real stars that they're observing and stuff. How do we know that these are even real? These could all, these they could just be looking at fake, these could all be fake. Could be looking at fake stars. Some sort of superior holographic technology that's creating all the stars. See that? Right. (laughs) I mean, if it's some sort of electromagnetic, vibrating, pulsating phenomenon, that can be replicated by technology. That's something that the Illuminati could create. Yeah, that's something that the Illuminati could create. You see that? So... Mm -hmm. That begs the question, well, did they? Uh, I don't know. I, they might have, yeah. You know, there's also evidence that they've done that with the sun and moon, too, on YouTube. It seems like there's a fake sun and a fake moon. People have documented this. Supposedly, there's actually a patent that they released that actually is for a artificial sun that they can create question is just whether they did it or not. <laughs> Have you seen that? Uh-oh. Wait, are yeah, you talking about Project Bluebeam? No, no, there was another patent. There was a legit patent that, uh, you can look it up on YouTube, but I don't know if it was a NASA patent or what, but they have this patent where they, I mean, it's basically talking about uh, creating an artificial sun. They have this technology. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, there's just so much that we 
can't be certain of with the sky. I, 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 at this point, pretty much everything I see in the sky is, is in doubt. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say most of it, in my opinion, I believe that most of it is, if not all of it, I'm seeing on a daily basis is completely artificial, simulated, and fake. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Which really makes you uh, wonder about how that affects timekeeping. Dates and times and seasons. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All the, the the lights up there are supposed to be a big clock. We live under a giant clock, or that's that's how it was in Genesis. Yeah. It makes you wonder what the uh, the calendar. You know. Mhm. Mhm. There's no way of knowing. Oh, well, I mean, I think we're under a technological veil. You know, they've veiled everything. There's like a veil up in the sky. There's a veil over people's minds. Yeah, I I don't think anybody knows what time it really is or what day it really is or what the date really is. I mean, that's all been truncated. And also, uh, I think that the ancient Israelites used both a solar and a lunar calendar. I think it incorporated both the sun and the moon. I think that the sun really determined the time, you know, based on the international date line. And then uh, the moon kind of functioned as a determining, like, the day of the, the month, you know. Right. Such, but I mean... Um, I mean, we're we're we're. I don't even think the international day line is in the right place. There's no way it is. <laughs> I mean, we're assuming that that's in the correct place. That 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 affects how time works. That affects how the sun creates the day. Okay, where your international date line is. If you move it, it's going to change when a day starts and where you know what day it is where. Uh, I, I don't even think that's in the right place. People are assuming it is. I, I don't think it is. They moved that. <laughs> I mean, that's there's everything's been taken away and changed. <sighs> yeah, and I mean. There's also tons of video evidence on YouTube of fake planes that they have up there, even fake planes spraying fake chemtrails. Like, they definitely have this some sort of superior holographic projection technology. I mean, it's beyond holograms. It's like whatever is beyond that, they have it. I, mean, I I even watched this video of a guy filming a plane, uh, zoomed in on it, you know, with a some sort of high high end zoom in camera, and uh, the the rotors weren't even moving. You could legit see the rotors, and they weren't weren't even moving. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just blatant. Yeah. It's just, there's all kinds of fake 
stuff just flying around up there. I mean, they're they're just throwing it right out in people's face. I think it's legit. I mean, it's either for mockery or stupidity tests or all the above, probably, because they're Satanists. So they go for uh, all possible, you know, make it as efficient as possible. Yeah, I know. I know. I've seen uh, projectors. You saw that video that I uh, showed you the other time. It was a. Uh, it was like a Christmas light show with a moving Santa that would, you know, it was jumping across on the roofs and the windows. And uh, they not only could project light like a normal basic projector, they could project darkness to give it a shadow effect. Wow. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't I know mean, how they do it. I mean, uh, it's interesting because in all these uh, high-altitude uh, videos as well, uh, when you get above the level of the clouds and basically where the sun is, it's just totally black. You don't see the blue sky anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just, you don't even see stars either. It's just completely black. You only see the sun. So that begs the question of whether the atmosphere is actually allowing us to see, like, the stars and stuff. The stars. Like, maybe we, are, like we have to have it as a uh, a filter to make those bodies. Yeah, to, make, to allow the visibility, yeah. Huh. That's crazy. So, uh, see, that would indicate to me that, well, I mean, if the sun or if the light streaming from above is projecting everything we see above the atmosphere onto the atmosphere, which allows everything below the atmosphere to see it. Why couldn't the reverse be done? Why couldn't somebody on the ground using technology project something up onto the atmosphere? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't see why that wouldn't be possible. I mean, it seems like that's what's naturally occurring anyway, if, uh, if that's, you know, because <laughs> you don't see this all these high altitude footage too I, I've never really seen the moon either you can really only see the sun um, I've heard I've heard that's because uh, ether is actually what allows you to see light and uh, um the higher you go up, the less ether there is, or like the less condensed it is. So basically, you get you lose, you know, you lose visibility. Hmm. And that's why you can really only see the sun when you get that high, because the sun is the only thing powerful enough. It's the only light that's you know powerful enough for you still to, to still be able to see it. Apparently, ether is more condensed and more compacted, you know, the closer you get to the ground, which would make sense. So it allows you to see, creates the atmosphere and allows you to see everything from the ground, closer to the ground. uh, Lower altitude, you mean? Yeah. Okay, well then why, uh, I thought I heard that higher altitude was like a clearer, more powerfully charged uh, place to be. I know, I've heard that too, but I think 
I mean, like when you're on a mountain or something. Yeah. I think maybe that's that might be caused by the actual structure of the mountain. Oh, like a pyramid? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm talking like when you're in an airplane or like a high-altitude balloon and you're just going up into the sky. I see. You know, removed from any land or any, you know what I mean? The ether is going to become less concentrated. It's going to get more sparse, more uh, less condensed. It may make sense on a mountain because the mountain's actually generating that etheric, you know, it's moving the ether around it, you know, and like concentrating it around it because of the structure of the mountain. It's functioning as a pyramid, a giant pyramid. Plus mountains have huge electromagnetic properties, magnetic properties. There's actually videos on YouTube, too, of uh, people... Uh, think who, who park their cars like going uphill and park their cars going up like a mountain and like the the car won't roll down the mountain because of the magnetisms like holding it right i think there was one video i even saw of a mountain like pulling a car the opposite direction it's like giving off that strong of a magnetic field <laughs> This is like a known phenomenon too. Like, there's a lot of mountains that are known to to do that, generate like a extremely powerful magnetic field, which would make sense with all these traditions and legends of you know Mount Meru in the center, and that's what's generating the Earth's magnetic field. This giant mountain, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, that's why uh, one of the ancient names for the ether was, you know, the luminiferous ether. It was called the luminiferous ether because it's, you know, it's actually what, it's what light travels through. The medium which light travels through. So it's basically what allows you to see light, you know, is the ether. So the less ether there is, the less condensed or concentrated it is, the less you're going to be able to see no, that would follow. But there'd be less visibility. Or that light, along the lines of uh, Joseph F. Cater's theory, that uh, the ethers are very fine condensation, or light is a very fine condensation of the ethers. Oh, sure, yeah. So if it gets denser than that, well, sure, sure. Yeah, maybe not. Never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, I think everything is, you know, a more dense form of light. Right. But, so yeah, I mean, that would make sense. But I think there was an, uh, there, you know, obviously there was an uncreated light that flows down from heaven. I think it, the ether still functions as like it's it's a medium, you know, that it travels through, which allows you to see it. I mean, because you, you can't see light, you know, you can't see visible light. Like if you shine a laser, you don't actually see the laser light. You only see what it reflects off of. You can't see light. You can only see that that which it reflects off of. Okay. I see. Yeah. 
So if there's no atmosphere, no ether medium that allows you know for light to reflect off of or act upon, then you're not you can't see the light. So that's why all these uh pictures and things like in outer space of like these planets and stuff, I mean there's I mean that right there, that's how you know it's just totally fake. And how could they even see anything out in space? How could they even see the sun? You can't you can't see a light source. You can only see that which light reflects off of. The only reason we see anything down here is because of the atmosphere. <laughs> you could so be staring right at the you could be staring right at the sun out in space, you wouldn't even see it. You'd go blind. But you wouldn't see the sun. Hmm. You can't see the light source. You can only see that which the light acts upon or reflects off of. I mean you know what I mean? Yeah. So then what does that so, mean if the uh, if the sun that we see now is a projection, a fake sun? Are you saying that we see the sun we see now because it's reflecting off the, the air in the atmosphere? No. No, that has nothing to do with why I think there's a fake sun. I think there's a real sun up there that people are seeing when they send these high-altitude balloons and stuff up. They're seeing it above the level of the atmosphere, okay. you know, in the total blackness. I guess it's the only, trying it's to figure the only, out the geometry of it. It's the only thing they can see, though, and I think that's why, because there's there's ethers up there which allow them to see it, but they're so, you know, they're so sparse. They're not They're not condensed or collected together or concentrated in any way. That that's the only okay. that's the only thing they can still see is the sun because it's it's such a powerful light, you know. Oh, I see. I mean, there basically okay, has to be no there have to be like no ethers for you not to see the sun because it's just so powerful. But but that's why they can't see any stars and they can't see the moon because they're not powerful enough lights, you know. I see. Too faint. They require more more ether or more atmosphere reflect off of or act upon. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think that that has nothing to do with why I think there's a fake sun. I just think that I think that because of, you know, they've they have the technology, so it's just a question of whether they would do that or not and I think it follows that they would. They're Satanists. Of course they would. They have the capability, they're gonna do it. They've already revealed that they have the capability. Why would they even put that patent out for people? You know, they didn't have to do that. It's just mockery. Revelation of the method. <clears throat> That's another thing I was thinking about, too, today that I heard. I actually, apparently, uh, see, see, we're traditionally told that the sun is hot, too. Like, it's this ball of fire. Like it's hot, and you know, you, you think you could conclude that it's hot because you know we feel it giving off heat from the ground, right? But what if it's just giving off of the the right frequency, which excites the atmosphere down on here, and that's what's producing the heat? That doesn't mean it's actually giving off heat, just because we feel heat down here. 
it could just be given off the right frequency, which is exciting the atmosphere, you know, yeah. producing the heat effect. So we don't even know that the sun's hot. I mean, I could also explain why it gets way colder the higher up you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I, true. Which yeah. is what I think, because I think <laughs> the sun and the moon are like superconductors, and that's why they can levitate. Because they've actually done experiments where if you have something super, like a superconducted um, object, like magnet, it'll it'll levitate. We've got experiments like this on YouTube. They can make them go around, you know, like in a circle, like a ring ma over a ring magnet or something. So I think that's basically what the sun and moon are doing. <laughs> I also also think that it's why uh, there's a uh, mega cryometeors. Have you heard of those? Uh-uh. There are these giant ice balls that have fallen from the sky. I'm talking like huge ice chunks. Like some of them have weighed like well, a lot, like several hundred, hundred pounds, if not more. I think that's what happened in that Tung Tunguska event over in Russia, I think it was. <laughs> You've heard of that, right? Yeah. Siberia, Siberia. or whatever that happened. I think yeah. that was a giant me mega cryometeor that fell and caused all that destruction. Yeah, they're giant ice because I think there's it's so cold up there. There's actually <laughs> ice. <laughs> there's ice attached to the firmament. That also explains why you see in the Joshua account uh, when when God stopped the sun. Uh, what what killed all the people? Oh yeah, it was hailstones that fell. Well, why did dude. hailstones fall? Well, because. Ha! He stopped the sun in one place long enough that it melted the ice that was attached to the firmament, and it came falling down. <laughs> See that? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's ice, you know, attached to the firmament because it's it's so cold up there, you know. The water's above, or do you think that's still inside the firmament? No, I mean on the on the other on the side that's facing us, there's ice at, okay. attached to it. You know, above that would be yeah. the water. See yeah, that? Yeah. Hey, uh, you've read The Silmarillion, right? By Tolkien? No, I've never read it. I have it, but I've never read it. Hmm. Well, I mean, I know it's all... I know there's some propaganda in there, probably, and some... Hmm. There's some question about whether he's the the one who really wrote it, or whether he was a ghostwriter for... Or, or it was ghostwritten, and he just got to present it. I tend to think I, I tend to I tend to think Tolkien wrote his works. Okay. Yeah, I think that he was a. Uh, I think that he was a. Uh, Why? Well, I mean, he was obviously illuminated. He was, in, you know, he was in the club for sure. But I think that he was an uh, extremely brilliant 
individual. I mean, obviously you can I think you can deduce that from his uh, other writings, and I just think he was a very gifted, you know, intellectual individual, and he he actually did think all that stuff up and wrote it. Obviously, a lot of it was veiled, you know, truths, you know what I mean? So he wasn't, like, pulling it from nowhere, but, yeah, I do think he, I, I do think he actually wrote those works. Okay, well, here's, here's why I ask. The, uh, in the early part of it, there is, the cosmology has a sun and a moon, I believe but also has two lanterns that are up on very high pillars at the north and the south of Middle Earth. Okay. Uh, that that one of the, you know, the lower gods create. And one's called Iluin and the other's called Ormal. Uh-huh. Do you, I mean, do you think there's some, uh, there were other lights in the sky back then? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds like those are the counterparts to the sun and moon, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, they weren't dark. They were lanterns. They shone very brightly across the whole plane oh. of the Earth. I see. Huh. And they weren't they weren't moving. They were fixed on pillars. So. Oh. Well, that I mean, that could have just been that could have just been where he's mixing the truth with, uh, you know. Okay. He's adding he's adding the window dressing there to to obscure the truth. So that that should be discounted without further evidence. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't think we have enough information. But I would say that I think that uh, every star and every luminary was created with a basically two two counterpart. Well. I think that every star has a feminine counterpart who's light, and then I think that they have a dark male counterpart, and then a dark and that dark male counterpart has a dark female counterpart. You know, everything's binary, everything's dualistic, everything has a counterpart, light and dark. So they've got a consort of light, and then they have both. Yeah, and then they, and and the they have a, has a, a dark enemy type? Yeah. So I think that, you know, each star has a binary dark star or like murky star. That's why in these high altitude footages, I think that's why they can see them, you know, like during eclipses and stuff. And they're still dark bodies and opaque. They're very faint. They can make them out because it's like Uh these different light conditions that allow that. Very special conditions. But normally you can't see them because they're like these dark bodies. I think that every star has a like this binary dark body that like follows it. That's why all these videos where they've seen these dark bodies are like right next to the sun or like right next to the moon or it's like they're almost like following them. Like they're it's like they're linked somehow, like it's a parallel binary twin, like a dark bo- twin body that like trails it or follows it or parallel with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, I think there's a dark sun, a dark moon. Yeah, like the opposite of the sun would be the dark, dark sun. 
and the dark sun would have a counterpart, the dark moon, just like the sun has a counterpart, the moon, feminine counterpart. Mm-hmm. And in the ancient world, I mean, there was only seven planets, you know, including the sun and moon. So I think that you can deduce from that that uh, there'd be those seven planets would have seven female counterparts, which would be 14. And then there would be, they'd have a counterpart 14 to that on the dark side, so that's 28. Then you'd have two above that, the sun and moon. Then you'd have their counter, their accompanying two, which would be the dark sun and dark moon, so that'd be 32 in total. So I think there's a 32 moving bodies that are outside the firmament, that are not attached to the firmament. Basically 32 planets in total. 32 wandering stars outside the firmament that aren't a part of the fixed stars. Interesting. That's why I think that's what I think the esoteric meaning behind 32 is, like why they they talk about 32 being a high grade of Freemasonry, and also um, I've heard that there's a some kind of website or something called Watch 32. I'm going to have to Google it. I actually heard this from Dave. Dave's the one who told me about this. I don't know if it's like a, a movie, like stream, or a website. That like, yeah, it's a website that streams movies. <laughs> so it's called Watch 32. So, so what? So from that, let's try to figure this esoteric name out, the meaning behind this name. So, what did the ancients used to watch in the ancient world? What was their TV? Like, what was their? What did they watch for movies? They watched the sky, didn't they? The planet. Yeah. <laughs> so why would they call this? Website that streams movies, Watch 32. See that? Yeah. <laughs> See, that, would, that would fit there. Mm-hmm. Hey, um... You were talking about at the beginning of this call the the movie propaganda. Yeah, I've heard the term chaos magic. Uh huh. Um, and I've heard people talking about uh, some of these movies very covertly mocking the coming uh, monarch of the oh, restored yeah. Israel. Oh, definitely. Now, I'm yeah. trying to understand this. Is is that? I mean, is it propaganda? I've heard people saying it's it's witchcraft attacking them or mocking them. Is that actually like in chaos magic or whatever type of witchcraft that is? Is that just propaganda for the audience, or is that actually an attempt to curse them? Oh, I think it's both figures. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's actually a ritual attack on the yeah i think all these people in these movies they all represent actual beings actual entities 
whether heavenly or earthly or both. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're actually ritually... I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's magic. They're actually ritually attacking these uh, figures. That's what I think. That's what I think. Like you know, the Twin Tower, uh, the nine eleven event was. You know, it was a ritual uh, attack on these two figures that are represented by the two towers, a male uh-huh. and a female, the, the king and the queen. It was like a death ritual against them. <laughs> and actually, uh, this is funny too because you actually have the the covert nine, you know, the hierarchy of nine in there too. You know, like I said, there were seven planets, and then the two above them, the sun and the moon. That's nine. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's an esoteric nine, pantheon of nine. Uh, you had the nine in there too, because what what other building fell? It was building seven. <laughs> seven, eight, nine. Seven plus the two towers. Yeah, they're attacking the nine. You see that? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Not only that, here's another really funny, I don't know if you knew this, but how many people supposedly died on 9-11? It's 3,000, right? 3,000 people. Or yeah, you can, look, that a, you can look that up, yeah. It's supposed to be 3,000 people. If you read the account of Samson, when he uh, knocked down the two pillars and killed everybody in the place, it was 3,000 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. I mean, there you go. I mean, that's just, this is just blatant. This shit is just fake. I mean, it's just blatantly. I mean, this is just. I did not catch that one. Yeah, I mean, once you see the, the Satanism and that it's Satanists that are doing this, I mean, you can't unsee it because it's like it's everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, dinner just arrived for me. Okay. Is it? Is it? Uh, is this a good stopping point? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm out of. I'm. I'm out of everything. Want to talk about? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, we'll plan on our Torah talk this Tuesday week, I guess. Sometime, just uh, just let me know whenever you know, and email me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, I guess you don't even really have to email me if you don't want, because I'll I'll just let you lead and kind of just you know just comment or interject wh- wherever. Okay. Yeah, that'll work. So, no, I'll, I have the email together. It's kind of, it's not a speech. It's just a rough outline, most of it. But okay. I've got some speech in there in my head. Mm-hmm. And you can, I mean, right. you're free to, you can quote, you know, if you got, like, materials you want to read from or quote. Yeah, support I do. Points. Yeah, do that. 
that'll make it better. All righty. Tuesday at 7, then. All right. I'll talk to you later, then. Thanks All for right. coming on. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Chris. All right. Yep. See ya. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.